0: 40 years tomorrow. Faith Bible. We put the word Bible in our name on purpose. It's the only book we've studied around here for 40 years. I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. That's the first book of the New Testament. You've been learning your New Testament books, I hope. If so, let's try to say them while we're getting ready here. Ready? Matthew, Mark, Mark. Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. Those are your 27 books of the New Testament. The first one's Matthew, you should be there. And that's towards the back of your Bible. Towards the back of your Bible, the last one quarter of the Bible is the New Testament. Find the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 11, verses 28 through 30. You may have a red letter edition of the Bible with you if you do. You'll notice it's all in red letters. That means these are the words of Christ himself. All right, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to continue the other message another time about the ten things that worked. And, uh, but I want you to notice here the words of the Lord today, I feel led to... Bring a message here that I hope will help uh, you. And uh, I want you to notice in verse 28, there is a rest that is given. A rest that is given. Notice that in verse number 28. Take, uh, uh, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There is a rest that Jesus wants to give you, a rest. We'll try to explain this this morning. But then notice in the next verse, there is another rest, a different rest that is found. It is found. Verse 28, it's given. Verse 29, there's another rest that's found Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. I would love it if you and I would have both rests. I want to talk about two types of rests, two rests that Jesus wants you to have, that he wants me to have and uh, this claim that he makes Uh, one of the reasons I believe in Jesus Christ is because of the claims he makes that no one else has ever made I don't think you've probably ever met anyone else who came up to you and said hey come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest no you'd probably say well who do you think you are but there's something about it when Jesus says it that's just different no man spake like this man uh, study the claims of Christ over in the Gospel of John one time. I went through the Gospel of John and marked this off. Some of you know this. I found in the Gospel of John, it's not that long of a book, where Jesus made 199 claims that no one else has ever made, ever. Uh, he is unique. He is different, and, and I believe in him because of what the Bible says about him. I believe in him because he made claims and kept those claims, lived up to those claims that no one else ever made. I believe in him because of the miracles he did. There's 37 specific miracles uh, that are described for us in the Gospels, plus a whole lot of other general ones. He was a miracle worker. He fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fishes. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? Some of his worst enemies were there for that, and none of them denied that that miracle took place. That's a miracle. That night, he walked on water. His miracles. The third reason is because of his prophecies. Over and over and over again, he foretold the future, and he has been totally accurate till this day on everything he's ever said. But most of all, I believe in him because of his resurrection from the dead his resurrection from the dead, his dead body was put into a tomb. And three days and three nights later, the tomb was empty, his body was gone, and he showed himself alive to many people by many infallible proofs, including 500 people at once who saw him after his resurrection. Now everybody else, when they're buried, they stay dead. And they stay dead until the the Uh, the Lord comes for us in the, the next resurrection. But Jesus rose from the grave. I hope you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just in the Gospel of John that he made claims no one else made. It's in other books too. For instance, in John, he said, before Abraham was, I am. In John, he said, I came down From heaven. I've never had anyone else tell me that. But in the book of Matthew, there's claims too, including this one. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want you to notice there's two types of rest that Jesus wants us to have. Anyone in this room can have them. The one is given, the second one is conditional. It's conditional. I want to talk to you about the given rest. What do we mean by rest? It's kind of a deep word. Uh, Maybe a few of you adults can relate to these illustrations I'll give you by way of introduction. Some of you maybe are married, and maybe you're married very, very well, and you have a good marriage. And you stop looking. But before you were married, you didn't have rest about that matter. You were looking everywhere, weren't you? Uh, The Bible says uh, um, about the husband in the the book of Proverbs. uh, And uh, how he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. And obtaineth favor of the Lord. And so he's trying to find a wife. But if any of you have ever gotten married to the right person, at that moment you get married, you enter into a rest. Your looking's over with. Never looked again. I hope that's your experience. I know that's been my experience. She's back there, but for 43 years, I haven't had a doubt in 43 years. In 43 years, not one single doubt has come into my mind that I married the right person. Not once. I'm at rest in that area of my life. I'm at rest. Years ago, I heard a study that the average man has to go through seven different jobs before he finds his, what they call, calling. And uh, you start with these cheap jobs, you're mowing lawns, raking leaves or whatever, and then you go to an entry-level job flipping hamburgers at McDonald's or something like that, and then this and this and this. And then finally, you just get to that point. It's possible for a man to get to that point where, as the old saying goes, he never works a day in his life again because he loves what he's doing. And when he finds that employment, that he loves what he's doing, he's at rest. He's at rest. He doesn't look anymore. At rest. So there's a couple illustrations of what this word rest might mean. By way of dictionary, it means to cause or permit one to cease from any movement or labors in order to recover and collect his strength, to refresh, to keep quiet, to be calm, and have patient expectation. And uh, the things we're talking about here today are spiritual rest. Of course we all need physical rest especially after last night but uh, I don't like that daylight savings thing it just throws me off Jeremiah 6 16 says thus saith the Lord stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths wherein is the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls Ye shall find rest we're going to get to that point in a minute about finding rest, point number two. But there's a given rest first. I think about Jeremiah 6.16 as I talk to my fellow Americans often, and even Americans who are unbelievers say, boy, I wish we could go back to the way it was because our country seems in complete upheaval right now. We're not at rest in America. We're more like, what is going on? What are these people saying? We never heard this before in our country. It's just upheaval. And people say, I wish we could go back. And that's what Jeremiah said, ask ye for the old paths wherein is the right way that you may walk therein. You shall find rest for your souls. Boy, if America would just go back to the foundations that made our country great. You know, faith and and family and And, uh, you know, forgiveness, those types of things. Boy, it's just, there's no rest in this country now. And so I hope you know that we're talking about rest. Jeremiah said, you shall find rest for your souls. Jesus said, you shall find rest for your souls. The soul is the spiritual part of your being. We're talking this morning about an inward rest. And inward rest. What is it like inside of you today? What's it like inside of your mind? What's it like inside of your emotions? Is it turbulent? Can't sleep? Always worried about this or that or maybe angry? There's so much anger issues today. Angry people are not at rest even with themselves. And if you can't live with yourselves, how can you live with anyone else? And uh, we, we hear about all this depression today, like, like never before. Uh, one out of three teen girls thinking about suicide, having suicidal thoughts. Why? We live in the greatest country on Earth, but they're, they're, they're missing the God element. They're, they're missing that spiritual element uh, that n- nothing can satisfy you apart from God. You can try everything. Try everything you want. Uh, there's an entire book in the Bible that comes to that conclusion called the book of Ecclesiastes. Where the richest man on earth, the wisest man on earth, got everything his heart desired. And over and over and over again, he said, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. It's all vanity. That word means emptiness. And vexation of spirit means depression. Depression. Well, you can have nothing except God and be satisfied and be at rest. You can have everything and just be the most turbulent person on earth. They say the number one uh, cause of marital misery and problems is, is finances. Two people always discussing and worrying and arguing about money. Rest. Well, Jesus, He's wonderful, isn't He? And look what he says here. He says, I want to give you rest, and I want to give you a formula where you can even find more rest on top of that. On top of that. And that'd be a nice way to live, wouldn't it? That'd be a nice way to live in this world, in this life, right now. Not waiting till heaven, but right now to have rest. First of all, you've got to come unto him. Let me talk about giving rest. Verse 28, come unto me, all ye that are heavy labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He starts by giving us rest, which whets our appetite to find more rest. It's like another portion of Scripture says he gives us grace for grace. We get grace at salvation to learn about, hey, there's more grace. There's grace for living, and there's grace for dying, and, and uh, there's just more grace, but he starts... At salvation, you got to come unto me. Jesus said to get this given grace, a given rest in verse 28, come unto me. Notice he says, come unto me. Come, Jesus says, come. He drives no one away. Jesus is approachable. Come unto me. You know, some people that aren't approachable. <laughs> And you kind of stay away from them, don't you? But you, you know others that are approachable. Uh, maybe you had a loving father, a mother, a grandma, or something that would run up to you and just give you hugs. You just knew she was approachable. Little kids, they know who's approachable. Uh, they run up and jump in someone else's arms and someone else they just look at and stay away from them. Jesus is approachable. Come, come, come. And then he says, come unto me. And this is the secret. He doesn't say, come unto religion. He doesn't say, come unto Moses and the law. He doesn't say, come unto church. Those things may have their place. But there's there's some people who think that you need to come unto Moses and the law. No, no. James chapter 2 and verse 10 says that he that is guilty in one point of the law is guilty of the whole thing. The law is not your friend. The law is your enemy. The Bible says, by the law, the law slew me. It condemns us. And it gives us rule after rule after rule after rule after rule that we can't keep. It doesn't give us rest. It gives us frustration. It makes us guilty. It brings us shame and conviction. As we, we think, boy, God said don't do this, and I went and did this, and I I shouldn't have sworn, and I shouldn't have had those thoughts, and I shouldn't have stolen something, I shouldn't have lied. The Bible said all liars shall have their part in a lake of fire which burneth with fire and brimstone forever, and I, 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 I lied. And the law does not give us any rest. It condemns us. But the law is good in the sense that it says in the book of Galatians, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That we might be justified by faith, but after we are under uh, uh, Christ, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. So the purpose of the law is not to save us. It's to condemn us and bring us to the one who can save us, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. And so make sure you get that right. He says, come unto me, not, not to the law, Not to the sacraments. He doesn't say, come unto religion. No, religion is a heavy burden. That's what he means here. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Boy, the word heavy laden means you're loaded down with a heavy load of of care. And that's what religion does. Boy, some of those religious people that you'll meet, most devoted to their religions, are, are the emptiest people. Uh, the most miserable people, most depressed people because their religion doesn't set them free. It says, if you know the Son, the Son shall make you free. The Lord Jesus Christ, he's the one that sets us free, not religion. And so the, the, the invitation here is come unto me. Jesus says, come unto me. Come unto me, the Savior. Now going to church is fine, but no. Have you ever come to Christ have you ever come as a guilty, condemned sinner to Christ to be saved? And when he saves you, he does a good job of it. The Bible says he forgives us of all of his sin, our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, even the worst sins you've ever done. See, that's what keeps some people away from Christ. They say, oh, I don't think Christ would want me after what I did, or after what I said, or whatever, whatever after what I Have participated in, oh no, no, you you're a prime candidate for salvation. You qualify. The only thing you gotta the only qualification you need for salvation is to be a sinner, that's all. And I can remember a day when I just came to the Lord just as I was, just as I was, and I found He was approachable, and He received me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, he said in John 6 37, and he that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Isn't that wonderful? I will anoint you. You come to me, and I'll anoint it. And so he saves you. He forgives you. He washes away all of your sins. He makes your record clean. I mean, just pretend there's a notebook in heaven with all your sins on it, and he just erases them all. They're all white sheets now. He never brings up your past ever. He puts his pen down. He never writes on your account again after you're saved. And besides all that, we've learned this morning, besides salvation, he then gives you rest. Some of you that are saved know what that rest is like. like Glad that's what, I don't know what it was. Now, I, I'm not, I don't preach experience as gospel. All right. So this is my testimony. It doesn't have to be yours. But the day I went into that church as a 12 year old boy and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be my Savior, I literally felt a weight go off my shoulders. And I walked out of the door of the church that day and there was something inside me that said, It's okay. It's all settled. You're forgiven. You're my child. And finally, I had a rest. I had a rest that I hadn't had up to that moment in my life. There was rest on the inside, calm, quiet. It's okay. Jesus took care of it all. He gives us rest. But now notice there's a second rest this morning, and that's in verse number 29. He gives us rest at salvation, rest from religion, rest from sin. Rest from guilt and conviction and all. He gives us rest and he says it's okay. He can do that for you today if you're not saved. If you're not saved, he can do that too. You just got to believe. Just believe that Jesus died upon a cross at a place called Calvary for your sins in your place as your substance. He took your place. You should have died. You should have been crucified. But Jesus, God's son, said, no, no, I love him. I'll take his place. He should die. I'll pay his death penalty for. That's love, brethren. That's love, and he's approachable. He is approachable. Come unto me. And you ask him to come into your heart and life, and he'll save you. And he'll give you eternal life, and you'll, have, you'll, you'll, you'll experience a rest on the inside that you've been longing to have all of your life. You don't have it till this day, but if you'll trust him, you'll have that rest. But that rest whets our appetite for more. Do you ever see those infomercials? But wait, there's more. You ever see those things? You're like, you're, you're totally sold on the first point. Like, where's my credit card? How did I ever live without this? And, and you're about ready to call, and then they say, but wait, there's more. You act in the next 15 minutes and we're going to throw four of them in there for you. Wow! And then you're, you're dialing the phone and buying things you don't need. And, but this is real here. But wait. Verse 28. There's more. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Now notice... Find rest. You're given rest by Christ at salvation. Now you find rest. What's this talking about? This is talking about service and study. Take my yoke upon you, that service, and learn of me, that study. That's being a disciple. This is conditional, this is after salvation. Do you want to find even more rest? you got to, first of all, take his yoke upon you. Notice that in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. If you don't know this, a yoke is a wood instrument that was made by old farmers to unite bulls. They used to use beasts of burden, bulls, bullocks, to like plow their fields, to uh, pull their carts, And they used to have a wood instrument that they would make, and it would go over the neck of two bulls, and uh, it it would keep them in the yoke so that these two were made to work together. These two were made now to go in the same direction and to accomplish a job. Now, in 1 Corinthians 3.9, it says, So then we are laborers together with God. After you're saved, there is a work for you to do with God. And when you find what that is, it's called doing God's will. That brings additional rest to your soul when you say, wow, wow, Now I know why I exist. Now I know why God made me in the first place. To yoke up to the Lord Jesus Christ, take my yoke upon you. And Jesus says, how about you two, how about you and I, yoke up and let's go on a journey. Let's go on an adventure. Let's go to work together and see what we can do together. Remember, I think it was—I don't know—last couple of weeks ago. I was talking about a guy, a friend of mine named Bud Ivy. Uh, his real name's Ellsworth Ivy. He's 88 years old. He was instrumental in leading my dad to Christ. This was back in 1968 at the old A and P store. Now, some of you don't know what an A and P store is. Some of you do. An A&P store is an old store like you would call Wegmans or Tops today, all right? The grocery store, meat market, all that kind of stuff. But back then in our day, we used to have A&Ps and Super Dupers, and uh, some of you are smiling. And uh, I don't know what else, but uh, my dad worked at an A&P store from 1965 to 1968, with a guy named Ellsworth Ivy, who was a a born-again believer. My dad was not saved. And uh, my dad, as as I said, used to persecute Ellsworth. Everybody that worked with him used to persecute Ellsworth. Ellsworth worked in the uh, produce department. My dad was a meat cutter for 20 years. But my dad saw Christ in Ellsworth... You know why? Because all the years that Ellsworth worked at A&P, he yoked together with Christ. And Christ said, let's go to work today, let's work together, and let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You know what God's will is for most of you men? Just to be hardworking men in the community. Take care of your wife, take care of your families. That's, God's, that's probably God's perfect will for most of you men. But Christ wants to go to work with you. He wants to help you be a witness there. He wants to help you be a testimony there. He wants to work with you and through you and and, and have an effect because I'm never going to meet those people. They're never going to come to church. But but the Lord needs a light in every business and every school and every neighborhood and, and someone just to show a little light around there. And, and it can be an adventure. And I'm sure that Ellsworth, as he went to work, day after day after day, and people laughed at him and persecuted him because he was a Christian and he carried his Bible and read his Bible and and in, in the break area he'd play <coughs> excuse me, he'd play radio preachers like Perry F. Rockwood and stuff, uh, loud so other people would hear it. And and he was just working with the Lord. He didn't know that he would lead my dad to Christ who a year later would bring George, Dave, and Art Cole, his sons, to Christ. And and Dad would be in the ministry for about 40 years. George would be in the ministry for about 40 years. I'd be in the ministry for about 40 years. And only God knows how many souls my brother Dave has brought into the kingdom of God over the years. Now that's quite an adventure. That's quite an adventure. And as I was with Ellsworth in the nursing home... Uh, and uh, he's 88 years old now, and he's lived for the Lord all of his life, I can see there's something about his demeanor that he has of rest. Rest. I didn't waste my life. He has a rest. He found a rest in just serving the Lord as a layman in his church, serving the Lord at his place of work, he took his yoke, he says, he says I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with Christ as a man in this world and make a difference. And he made a difference. He made a difference. Because take my yoke upon you. Let's do something together. Let's not get saved and then you walk in that direction and I walk in this direction. And we'll meet in heaven someday with nothing to show. No, no. Take my yoke upon you. That's service. And learn of me. That's study. Now, it could be book study from the Bible. That's certainly one way you can learn about Jesus. But you need to learn more. We we can learn about Jesus till our last breath. He's so deep. Learn about me. When uh, um, the... uh, now let me read this verse for you here. I've always liked this verse too. It makes, brings us into sense, sense. John 7, 17, Jesus said this, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. You see, we learn by doing. Imagine getting on an airplane someday and saying to the pilot, You ever done this before? He said, Nope. Just had some classroom study. Man, I am getting off of that plane. <laughs> Classroom studies fine. Going to church is fine. Learning about Jesus at church is fine. But, but when you yoke up with Christ in your life and you begin to walk with him in the will of God, he says, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. All of a sudden, the Bible will become clear to that person because he's doing it. Just like you, you, you go to a class and you learn how to fly an airplane. You get all this head knowledge. But then all of a sudden you get in there and you you start flying whatever little planes at first or something. And as you're flying and, and getting experience, you start saying, Oh, this is what that meant in the book that I studied. Now it's clearer. Now it's clearer. And as you serve the Lord, you'll learn of Him. Oh, now it's clear what the Lord was saying here in and, and oh, now I have this opportunity uh, to be like Christ in this situation in my life. And he says this: he says, "Service, take my yoke upon you. Service. Let's let's go on adventure. Let's let's do something." I mean, back in in, in 1978, at a little apartment in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, I gave my life to the Lord after attending a missions conference. In my brother George's apartment, I said, George, this is it. The Lord's going to... And I I got yoked up to Jesus Christ that day back in 1978. And 45 years later, I can say, I have been on the adventure of my life. I am so glad I didn't miss this. So glad. I'm so glad I didn't miss it. I cannot believe what the Lord and I have done together. But here's something about a yoke. They make them different so that the strongest bull does most of the work. And that's why he says at the end, you're going to find my yoke is easy. My burden is light because I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do the majority of the work. Something else you find out, and I'm almost done here, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, That service and study. Now notice this, for I am meek and lowly of heart. Do you know who the best people on earth to hang around with are? Proud, arrogant, haughty people, right? No. Jesus is not only approachable, but he's really easy to get along with. He said, I am meek and lowly of heart. Those are the best people. I I know it's different, but my wife's meek and lowly of heart. I've I've lived on easy street in marriage. I've told people that. I I have no clue if I'm a good husband or not. It's been so easy. I'm serious. Some men, it's not like that. I've known men who've lived with disabled wives, wives with mental uh, um, conditions, emotional conditions and, and, and anger issues, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I've seen some of them. I've, I've gone up to a few of them and I said, I think you're a better husband than I'll ever be because I've never been tested like you are. Never. She's meek and lowly. And heart, those are the easiest people to get along with. And some of you are afraid to come to Jesus Christ. You shouldn't be. He's meek and lowly of heart. He's very, very easy to get along with. He's very easy to work with. I've been working with him for 45 years, and boy, I've blown it a lot. I've made a lot of mistakes, but he just meek and lowly, just picks me up the next day and says, well, let's try again. Let's try again. How about you today? You know, there was two sisters once in Luke chapter number 10. The one was cumbered about much serving and complaining. Her name was Martha. Remember her? She's saying, Lord, why don't you care about me? Why don't you make my sister Mary help me? Don't you see I'm doing all the work around here and Jesus corrected her. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You're not at rest. You're not at rest. Ella likes this. (laughs) But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And what was the good part? Remember, ladies? Verse number 20, 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Can you imagine having Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, in your house, and you're off washing dishes? and baking cakes and muffins and all kinds of stuff, and then getting mad and and copying an attitude towards your sister Mary, who's sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. And Jesus, like I said, meek and lowly, corrects Martha and says, you know, you're careful and troubled about many things. You're a troubled woman. But Mary chose the needful part, to sit at my feet and hear my word. And that's why he said in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You're going you're to like my personality. When you really learn about Christ, you're going to like being around Christ. You're not going to be afraid to come to God. And you're going to find rest for your souls. In that story, who found rest for her souls? Mary or Martha? It was Mary. God will give you rest to wait, to wet your appetite. But wait, there's more. Then you can find rest for your souls. You know what the Bible describes your soul as? The innermost part of your being. And pretty soon people look at that guy and say, why is that man never troubled about anything? Why is that woman never troubled about anything? Because they found rest for their souls. Because they got saved, but then they went on to service and study. And this object of their study was Christ. Christ. Some people study the Bible for the wrong reason. Some people study the Bible just so they can argue with people. Some theologian or something. But we need to study Christ. Christ. I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you would give us such a formula like this. That anybody in this room that would today come to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you would give them rest, as many of us have experienced. And then, Lord, for those who have come for salvation, that they would just yoke up with Christ every day and take the Lord with them to their job, their neighborhood, their family get-togethers, and just say, you know, Lord, let's do something together today. And see what God does with them. And He'll do the majority of the work. And those that just study Jesus, not just from the Bible, but to see who He is, what He did, how He responded, with the purpose of becoming just like Him. Oh, Lord, how I pray that You'd help us. And in doing so, we'll be given rest and then we'll find more rest until no matter how bad the country gets, how bad the world gets, how bad the wars get and the economy, we'll just be like Jesus, asleep in the boat on the Sea of Galilee while the waves were roaring. Jesus, you said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, if you're here today and you need Jesus as your Savior, I preached the gospel earlier in the sermon that we're all sinners, the law condemns us. But Jesus died on the cross in our place, shed his blood to wash away our sins, to pacify the anger of God that was against us, was buried, and he rose from the grave. And He's alive forevermore. And right now, He knocks on the door of your heart. And if you'll open the door of your heart, I'm telling you, this is what happened to me when I was 12 years old, just right in church. I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. If you'll do that right now, then I'm going to help you with a word of prayer. This prayer won't save you, but the person you're praying to, the Lord Jesus Christ, will and if you need Christ this morning as your Savior and you don't have that rest, would you just pray quietly from your heart and say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. I do believe in you with all my heart. I believe you're the Lord, God in the flesh, And that one day you died on a cross. You were crucified because of my sins. You were buried and you rose from the grave. And I ask you to have mercy on me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to save me. And give me the gift of eternal life. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you've prayed today and believed to receive Christ as your Savior, just before we go on for a moment, no one's looking around, would you just raise your hand real quick? God bless you, and, and, and God knows your heart, and you say, I've just accepted Christ. God bless you. Is there anyone else? You can put your hand down. Who else today? God knows my heart. Yes, sir. God bless you. And you, sir. Amen. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Praise the Lord for His work and His men. But now, Lord, I pray for those of us that are believers that we go beyond that rest, that salvation, to the rest we can find by serving you and learning of you. And the satisfaction when you come to the end of your journey and say, I walked with the Lord and talked with the Lord and worked with the Lord and did His will. And There's just a rest inside. It's just calm saying, I didn't waste my life. I found out what God made me for. Lord, give that desire to those that are believers in Christ today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.